0: League of Women Voters and the Recording Library of West Texas present Tall City Elections. Welcome to Tall City Elections. My name is Bailey Hennis. I'm the Executive Director at the Recording Library of West Texas and your host for Tall City Elections. I am a five foot eight female in my early thirties. Today I'm wearing a white cardigan with black stripes. The stripes are kind of just laid all over the place. They look kind of fun. A red shirt underneath and black slacks. I have medium length red hair out of a box. It is not natural. I am in studio today with a special guest, Carrie McNeil, who is running for school board at District 6. Hi, Carrie. Good
1: morning. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself?
1: Not bad. Enjoying this weather.
0: Yes, it's been lovely. So if you could, for our visually impaired listeners, can you briefly describe yourself?
1: Yes. I am 5'3", almost 5'4", like today when I have my my heels on. Mm -hmm. But I'm wearing some comfortable gray slacks and a maroon blouse. I have long curly hair and With a little splash of gray, I'm 47.
0: (laughs) We have really nice hair, by the way. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us today. We do Tall City Elections in audio for those who are blind or print-impaired. We believe in equal access to information. So this is just another way for those who cannot read the printed word to be able to find out more about our candidates here in Midland. So, Carrie, let's talk a little bit about who you are. Where are you from? What do you like to do? What's your connection to Midland?
1: I am kind of a classic story to our area. My dad was in the oil and gas industry and we transferred in as a family in the late 80s. My mom was a critical care nurse, so she was always gone working at the hospital. And I followed like most kids into their parents' role and I worked as a paramedic at Midland Memorial for 10 years. I did 20 years as a paramedic in our community. I decided after Hurricane Katrina and Rita that I needed to step up. I was pretty devastated by all the things going on out there. So we I volunteered for the Texas State Guard, and I served in the Army Division, and I discharged out as a staff sergeant
0: in 2011. But more
1: recently, for the last six years, I have been a Texas realtor.
0: Wow, that's that's pretty amazing uh, history here in Midland. So you were a paramedic. I actually still have a license as a paramedic in the state of texas wow that's really how long did you do that for um
1: i have been in ems 27 years i have held a paramedic license for 22 years but i haven't really done it in the last three or four
0: wow so what made you do that switch from doing paramedics to it it might be hectic as well being a realtor but maybe not quite as fast-paced
1: well everybody kind of
0: laughed because i said i went into real estate just because it would be less stressful which is
1: not quite true. It's just a different kind of stressful. No, I have a huge servant's heart. I come from a long line of military and law enforcement officers, and that was always just kind of ingrained in us is that it was our job to step up and take care of people who couldn't. So as a a paramedic, I absolutely enjoyed it, but as my children started getting older, I was missing, missing more and more mom things, volleyball games, concerts, that sort of thing. So I needed to do something where I could still kind of give back, but I could have the freedom... To go be a mom.
0: So realty was was for me. Fantastic. And then what made you decide to get involved with the school board?
1: Well, my story started with my own personal family. I have two children. My daughter graduated in 2008, teen, and she was one of those perfect, could-cutter could kids. She was honor society. She did all the athletics, all the things, and she excelled at it. And then I have my son who struggled. His story was very, very different. He suffers from brutal dyslexia. He's got some ADD. And every day, every year, it was a fight. And I just felt like I kept banging my head on the wall with MISD to get him the things that he needed. So we finally decided his freshman year to pull him out, and we homeschooled. And he has done absolutely excellent. He just graduated this last June, and it's night and day different watching watching my kids struggle to the the guy that he could he could beat mm-hmm. So I had that own, my own personal story, but as a realtor, I do a lot of relocation with families that move into and out of our area. And one of those first things is these families would come in and say, "Is well, okay, let's go look at houses. Where are the best restaurants? Let's talk about the education." And it got to a point where I just couldn't really make any more excuses for kind of what was going on. So between my own story and my own struggles at my house, and trying to help these families moving into our community, it was one of those things that I needed to get in get involved with being. Being who I am, I was raised, if you're upset about something, you can either quit talking about it or you can go fix it. So I got into the let's go fix it mode.
0: So are you from Midland?
1: You know, I was, it's kind of interesting. Like I said, Dad was in the oil and gas industry. I was born in Odessa, but we transferred all over the state of Texas. But I I consider myself a Midlander just because that's most of what I've known. I've been here since 88 or 89.
0: Sure, that definitely counts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've been here through enough dust storms to make that one real.
0: We are we're very familiar with dyslexia here at the recording library. We actually um, we can help with that as well. We pr- provide audio so the student doesn't feel behind or like you're saying. You saw that um, obviously he needed more one-on-one attention. He Is did. that what kind of prompted you he to? He did.
1: He misses complete vowels. Um, okay. I, as a paramedic, a lot of these things, and I'm sure some of your viewers know, insurance only covers so much. So when you really need to come and step out of that normal box for a specialist, or sometimes that comes out of your own personal pocket. So right. As a paramedic we We were never wealthy, we lived on a budget, just like most families do, and I worked and scraped and did overtime to go pay for a child psychologist to help me and he's telling me yes, you know your your son is really intelligent, but this is this is where he's falling off so even in taking those things back to MISD, I just never could quite get that five oh four that I needed for him, and I just felt like because of cost, they watched my child fall through the cracks. As a single mom, I didn't have the resources to figure out how to fight it. So I just pulled him out.
0: So I kind of have a a double question here. Would you, moving forward, because you obviously have a vision for the school board on some changes, you've seen it with your son and how much he benefited from things like that, in what ways do you think our resources will be better used for things like that. As far as you say, we have a problem with funding mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And then also, What is your opinion on relationships with like nonprofits like us to try to be more involved in a a healthy, more synergy with the schools to maybe try to offer certain services like that?
1: If you think of all the industries and all the professions and all the things around us, look at one of the one things that really hasn't evolved. And we've only recently seen that. And that's with education used to be it was Monday through Friday. You went eight to four, you know, whatever. And that was it. We have to evolve with, with what we know. We are getting so much better at diagnosing different learning disabilities, things that are not, cookie cutter. So it would be absolute silly for us as a district to not embrace all of these specialties, and, such as your program, that would, would help. I mean, communication, had I known back then so much of what I've known now, I feel like my whole quality of life for my, my son Mm-hmm. and myself would have been so much better but it's just knowing where to go in turn
0: for these additional resources. So do you think more exposure to those resources is is on the forefront?
1: Oh absolutely. If you look and I'm a big sports fan. I love Oh yes,
0: when I was I, doing research I saw a lot of football.
1: I love <laughs> my my league rebel football and I think that if we we applied the enthusiasm that we do for our student athletes to some of these learning programs we could do some pretty impressive things.
0: So talk to me a little bit more about some of your – what is your top priority moving forward?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting. When I started out, I had the the big three is what they call it. And I really wanted – because you have all these things and I had to narrow it down, what was truly the most important to me. So for me – Obviously, it's going to be academic outcomes. How can we teach our babies to improve? You know, we've seen with COVID and and just the last couple of years in the world in general, things are kind of Mm off-tilter. So we need to figure out how to get back, and we need to be able to support these babies. So we got to figure out as a community, as an education, how we can push these babies forward. The second thing was safety. You can hear about our safety issues all over. And it's not just in MISD. It's all across the state. Right. We've got a lot of violence, but as a paramedic, I look at it from a different kind of lens. When I think about safety, I think about classrooms. We've got the violence, obviously, but we also have classrooms because of uh, facilities that haven't been taken care of where it's 84, 85 degrees in these rooms. So the teachers are being forced to shut the doors because everyone's concerned about another Uvalde situation. But if we don't open the doors, those babies are just melting on the inside. So as far as safety, we need to look at the big picture. We've (laughs) got a lot of things going on there. And with the spending, you know, if we are not spending our money purposefully, we're not going to have money for things like resources that we could possibly have. One of the big things that gave me heartburn was a few years ago when we went out and we bought a $9.5 million golf course. Well, that was supposed to be for the new Midland High pending that the bond passed. Well, obviously, we see how that turned out. So now we have a golf course, and we can only partially build on it. I know your, your group can't see, but if you drive down that road, there's great big 24-inch gas connectors. That supplies our whole south and southeast side of town with natural gas. Anybody that had truly done their research knows that we can't build on all of that property. Uh. When you go back as a realtor and you look at it from my perspective, it appraises on the tax roll for Midland County about a million dollars. If you go in and you look at the appraisal, it was three, three, three point three, three point four million dollars, and we bought it for nine point five. Mm. Why would we ever buy something that expensive and then to turn out that it's not truly a functional piece of land? I just think that sometimes we throw money at things hoping that it'll stick, and we're wasting a lot of taxpayer revenue.
0: Mm. So, would you like to see more communication? Or, or more planning for these big-purchase, big-ticket big items?
1: As a school board member, that's, that's one of the big things that we are supposed to do. We don't work for MISD. We work for our community, and ultimately we control those purse strings. So whenever we are brought something by the district or wherever to vote on it, we need to make sure that we're digging down and we're getting all the information before we vote on these things. Mm-hmm. We, I feel like in the last several years and maybe before then – we use our tax revenue like an open well of funding, and that's not okay.
0: Right. And I know that you're you're also um, – l- let's touch a little bit more on the safety concerns that you have for our schools. Okay. Do you have any pl- um, ideas in mind for that on how we can maybe change the safety of our, our classrooms?
1: Absolutely. So if you think about it, one of our school board job descriptions is to collaborate with MISD and create policies. So clearly the policies that we have today addressing the, the fighting and, and all the things going on, that's not working. So if you know that it's not working, we need to do a deep dive, figure out why it's not working, but then we also need to make sure that we're enforcing it consistently across the district. So if I have a principal in excuse me, an elementary campus and she's enforcing this version of the rules and then you go over to another campus and they're enforcing it, di- there's no consistency. hmm we have to apply consistency across the district and if these kids are com- being a complete disruption no one learns that period the child that's acting out or being disruptive is not learning mm-hmm. the rest of the classroom is not learning because they're watching the spectacle and the teacher can't do her job so if we've got someone that's being disruptive we need to get them we need to get them where they need to be sometimes kids are just bad kids they need to be in trouble sometimes kids are acting out because there's something going on is this the only way that they can get some positive attention? Is it because there's an underlying health condition? We, we need to really figure out where those kids need to be, and we need to take care of them, or we're not taking care of any of the three involved. Right. Ultimately, we need to get some parents on campus. Um, I know it sounds ugly, but a father figure for some of these kids, it's missing. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, they had a meeting last night over at uh, Lee Freshman, and they're going to do, a I think, Top Dogs, I think is what they're calling it. But it's very similar to a program that they've done in New Orleans where a lot of these grandpas and uncles and older members of the community, they come in, they hang out, they give high fives, give good mornings, pat them on the back, how was your day? And sometimes it sounds really stupid. The simplest things can have the most magical effect. Sure. So if you actually have some more dads or, or cousins or whomever on some of these different campuses, it actually helps the teachers. It helps the kids. It's going to increase morale around there because they know, you know what, if something happens, Bob or Bill, he's right down the right right. down the way. He can come over.
0: Oh, I mean, it's proven we've seen positive impact with Organizations like Big Brothers Big yes. Sisters, you know, that's yes. um, just having someone to be a mentor yes. to children. And we do a lot of mental health podcasts as well. And it's proven that children do better with a schedule, with consistency. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, after COVID, that was kind of shifted, and we're still trying to get back to a normalcy. And so I can't imagine what that looks like in the school system mm-hmm. trying to get back to some well, kind if you of. Think
1: about some of these babies that we we lived through that for about three years. If you've got an elementary student, that's the most of their life. They don't know any difference. So essentially, it may be their first day back at campus. So if you've got all these kids and, and they don't know, just get them to communicate. Just get them to talk because they've lived so long on these electronic devices and games and things like that. They don't know how to be kids anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. And you, you also mentioned, too, that you believe in parental rights and, oh. and p- parents having – that presence within the school system. Can you talk more about that?
1: Yes. So beforehand, usually the kids, we, we, you had strong PTAs, you had a lot of, of parent involvement. And I think what we've seen over the last several years is that parents don't feel like they're being heard. We get the surveys, you know, tell us how you're doing. What kind of calendar do you want? What do you think about intercession? Even talking about masks, regardless of what side of that argument you were on. It doesn't feel like that they do anything with it. It feels like you're almost just going through the motions so you can go back and say, you know what, we ask you all, this is what you want. But if you have a vast majority of the community speaking out on something such as the intersessional calendar and they go in and they do it anyway, the community's backed out. I feel like that there's a wedge between... The district, the teachers, and the parents. And if we can align those three or even get it to a little more healthy environment, you're going to see a lot more collaboration and success. And ultimately, it's the kids that we need to make succeed. We can't just keep picking back and forth.
0: Right. And in what ways can you get the public involved in that decision making process as well?
1: That's going to take a lot of healing. And I think that's one of the things that kind of makes me um, unique as a realtor and as someone that's been in different elements and different homes and things like that i feel like i can bring some people together but until we can rebuild a bond with the community and some trust we're going to see a lot of pushback and you're going to see that problem i feel like with a bond we're going to have a bond at some point and if this community cannot rally behind it or they feel like if they've been abused or neglected you're going to have a hard time getting a bond passed
0: Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you're really passionate about when it comes to the school system moving forward? One of
1: the things that I have found, and it's it's kind of one of those evolution things. You know, I started, I was going to run. These were my big three. But after I started talking to a lot of these parents and a lot of teachers, we have a teacher emergency. I knew that it was going to be bad. I didn't realize how bad it was going to be. And at this point i 've talked to about one hundred and fifty different teachers across the campuses, not just even in my district because it 's important to me to understand what are they going through. We talk about the kids, we talk about the parents but let let 's think about these teachers mm-hmm. you know a couple of years ago, they were teaching, and now everything is topsy turvy. They are exhausted. If you look at our substitutes, there are none um, we had i want to say at one of our campuses last week that needed. 25 class periods, not 25 substitutes, but filled for various reasons. They had one. So, our teachers are mm-hmm. being asked to give up their conference periods and things like that where they're supposed to be doing their administration stuff to cover these classrooms. So, essentially, we're sending our teachers to work. They're de- teaching all day. They don't really get any breaks. And then they're going to have to go home in their after hours. And then they're going to have to do all the paperwork. In addition to that, they're still being held accountable for are the kids progressing? Are they socially, emotionally healthy? Does everybody have something to eat? Is there a homeless issue? I mean, we have basically put all this responsibility on our teachers, and we've made them unauthorized parents, and we're holding them to the fire. And I can't think of any other profession out there where you constantly keep changing their professional description and holding them
0: accountable for it.
1: They need some help. They need Mm -hmm. some parent help. They need some district help. They They need some love right now.
0: So is uh, recruitment of new teachers important to you? Is that something you'd like to see happen?
1: I would love to recruit some teachers, but more importantly to me, we need to hang on to what we've got. And it doesn't matter what profession you've got. If you've got a veteran in anything, a veteran lawyer, a veteran teacher, whatever, their value and their experience you can't replace. So if we're running our teachers off that have been around forever and replacing them with a bunch of new teachers, you're losing a lot. You truly are. That makes sense, yes. And even for the new teachers. Our new teachers rely on those veteran teachers to teach them. How do you teach? Most of us go through a program or a profession, and we're taught what we're supposed to, but you don't really get the meat of it until two or three years later. How do you have classroom control? How do you time manage? Those sort of things. And that's where our... Our veteran teachers are essential,
0: and they're walking away in droves. Mm-hmm. Do you have a suggestion on how to retain those veteran teachers?
1: Yes. We need to give them consistency, we need, in the, whether that be in the curriculum that they're teaching,
0: in their bonuses,
1: how they're being paid, because there seems to be some dancing around that, and we need to provide them with support. Ultimately, we need to listen,
0: not mm-hmm. listen
1: for lip service. Listen to understand what they need. They're the backbone of our of our educational system. And if we're not listening to them, they have no reason to stay.
0: Right. I, I do believe that teachers' salaries have been on the docket in the city for a <laughs> while.
1: If you look at what our teachers are paid out in Midland, they're paid pretty competitively. It's so it's not the pay. We also offer them a couple, I mean, they used to get a bonus for if they had perfect attendance, they would get a little stipend for that. If they had to, if you had like a resource teacher and she had to go from campus to campus, she would get a stipend for that. There were a lot of built-in little perks and bonuses. They have quietly taken those away. And then when the teachers are like, hey, I thought I was getting paid for this, they're like, nah, no. Well, that goes back to that consistency and that transparency. There's a lot of things in this world you don't really mess with, and that is someone's pay.
0: Absolutely. You know, the other thing Especially is, in Midland with – uh, we always have a workforce issue.
1: We always do. Yeah. And if you look at our inflation rate right now, I want to say what was nationally 8.5
0: or something Yeah, which like like they the say it's actually more 10 well, almost, Midland, but yeah, Our
1: economy is always faster. Yes. You know, whether it's on infl- inflation or, you know, whatever, we're always above the curve on some of these things. So if the nation is sitting at 8.5, and I know when I've gone and bought groceries lately, it just keeps getting worse. Right. I would guess that we're probably probably around 10%. Mm -hmm. So if our teachers are are facing the same economic problems that we are and then they go to work and they're exhausted and they're not getting the appreciation, they're not getting support, they're not even getting someone to listen to them some days, Mm -hmm. why would they stay? They can go get an administrative job in an oil and gas company working nine to five with Christmas bonuses. Mm -hmm. They have no reason to stay.
0: Right, and we have so many many people not only who have been here for their whole lives but coming here Mm -hmm. to work Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that our school systems are able to support that influx of people coming in but do it well
1: well my thing is this and it's you hear a lot about our public schools versus the charter schools i believe in choice obviously living through what i've lived with, with my kid but if we don't create something that's competitive in our public schools our public schools are going to end up as a kind of a forest fire. We're going to have nothing but the bad kids, the kids that no one wants, because with charter schools, they get to pick who comes over. They get to fill them out applications, interview. So you're going to lose the top-tier kids. And if we keep shifting like this year over year over year, public schools are going to be be a bad place to be, and I don't want it to be that way. I want our public schools to be so good that they're competitive. And it doesn't matter what charter schools in town. You're going to want your kid or your student to be where the best is. So we have to clean up our public schools.
0: Right. And um, I kind of, as we wrap it up here a little bit, I, I would like to know what are some things that MISD, or, and particularly your, uh, District 6, does well within the school system? What are some things that you think are done well?
1: The heart and soul of our teachers um, are phenomenal. If you look at what they've lived through in the last couple of years like the rest of us and then changing their their job description, putting all these things on them, their passion and their grit is impressive. Mm -hmm. So the staff, the teachers, the clerks, the custodians, those are the people that keep getting forgotten. We talk about the teachers, but what about the custodian that's working at 6 o'clock at night? Right. He deserves just his admiration. Or the school secretary, she didn't get a bonus you know, we need to take care of those people, but that is our victory lap. Those are the people that can help us turn it around because they're there and they're loving those babies against all the odds.
0: Right? They they hung in there. They they've, are they've still been there. hanging in
1: there. It's, it's they tough. are the,
0: <laughs> they are the definition of Midland strong. Which they is, are.
1: Yeah. If you think about our community, we, I mean, we pick at each other, and it's a, we can talk about football or whatever. But even when something bad happens, that's one of the beautiful things about our community is we will rally together. Absolutely. And we will love each other, and we will take care of each other. I think we need to understand right now. We need to love on these teachers, and we need to get them
0: some help. That's that's great, Carrie. And just for fun, we like to say, if you were given a grant of a million dollars to do whatever you'd like, and it includes staffing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> would you put that towards maybe uh, communication or, or you know outreach or what would you use that for?
1: If I had I had a big pot of money like that, I would invest in the backbone of my teachers. You know, give them something. You know, how many of these teachers are actually paying for things out of their
0: own pocket? Oh, I hear it all the time. It's horrifying. Mm-hmm.
1: You wouldn't ask a doctor or an attorney or to do that. You wouldn't ask a police officer to go buy his own patrol car and handcuffs if they want to great i would give back to my teachers and make that their budgets for whatever they need would be so that they wouldn't have to spend out of their own pockets and i would make it to where we could create such a culture that they were excited about going to work
0: that's really nice carrie um thank you for joining us today in the studio and you actually were just endorsed by the permian basin board of realtors congratulations on that
1: thank you actually i have a couple of them but i'm pretty proud of that
0: um, and then I don't I'm not familiar with the abbreviation of TREPAC.
1: Okay, so this is kind of a cool story. And this is kind of realtors are not left wing or right wing. We are for our communities. And not only do I go sell houses, but I am on the board of re- directors for the Permian Basin Board of Real Estate and there's all these subcommittees like there would be with anything else. And one of those is called TREPAC. Texas Real Estate Political Action Committee Hmm. and they are one of the biggest political action committees in the entire state of Texas and the reason it's so wonderful is because it's not a left or a right it Ah. is a very bipartisan and they support property owners property rights we're the ones that go in and fight against the HOAs we're the ones that help prevent eminent domain or clarity and transparency depending upon the situation but we also fight to keep your property taxes down and we are working like crazy down in Austin right now With our legislators to keep our property taxes down because that's one of the things that's happened is you've got all these people moving into our area and it's pushing the appraisals and things like that. We're pricing people out of their homes. Mm -hmm. So to receive an endorsement from a bipartisan group that is actually their focus is in on our taxpayers was pretty awesome.
0: Well, congratulations on that. It seems like you've put in a lot of hard work. So given your background and your history, it makes complete sense that you're running for District 6 school board. (laughs) So good luck in your race, and um, thank you for joining us today. If you could please let our listeners know where they can find out more information about you. Um,
1: I have a Facebook thing, Facebook page, sorry, not a thing, District 6 for Carrie. That's the easiest way. But I also welcome phone calls, uh, emails, that sort of thing. Because I can't fix something if I don't know what's broken.
0: Sure. Do you want to put your email?
1: Uh, Carrie McNeil, my parents thought they'd be funny. They gave (laughs) me one R. Uh, -R -R C-A-R-I-E-M-C-N-E-I-L-D-I-S-T-R-I-C-T-6 at gmail.com.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Tall City Elections is a nonpartisan and unbiased community project of the League of Women Voters of Midland and the Recording Library of West Texas. The League of Women Voters and the Recording Library do not endorse, support, or oppose any candidates for office or a political party. All candidates for office are invited to participate in this project.